Hello and welcome back to the Quantum Divide. This is uh, going to be an exciting episode. We're going to be talking to a company who are tackling the art of quantum networking head on. Maybe a dark art. I think that's uh, that's up for debate. I'm joined today by Claire Legal from New Quantum, a startup out of the UK. They're, from my observations, fairly central to the UK strategy due to the membership and leadership in UK Quantum and also links to academia. The company was founded to commercialize research generated over the last decade at the Cavendish Laboratory, which is in Cambridge. So the, the path to valuable quantum computing requires novel and high performance quantum networks. New Quantum are focusing on the networking for quantum computers. It's essentially looking to deliver a flexible platform that's adaptable to all qubit modalities, delivering order of magnitude improvements in rate and fidelity over the current state of the art. No mean feat. Okay, enjoy. Thank you, Clef, for joining us. Uh, why don't we start with a, a bit of your background and where you come from, your path through quantum and uh, what it is you do. Hi, nice to meet you. I'm Claire Legal. I'm VP of technology here at New Quantum. New Quantum is a company that was founded in 2019 and is a company that I joined about nine months ago as, so as VP of technology. I come from an experimental physics background. I'm someone who's um, played with uh, qubits since her PhD, optically active qubits. And I've been implementing elementary quantum networks in an academic setting, in particular demonstrating the highest entanglement rate between distant qubits that has been achieved to date. And that's, that's me in a nutshell. <laughs> yeah, it's fantastic to have you on the podcast. Um, such an accomplished uh, physicist and scientist. What about your path into quantum? I guess you studied through the traditional route. I think you're at Cambridge, is that right? Uh, so I'm, I've been passionate about physics from a young age. I've also been passionate about maths and philosophy and there's really like different points in my life where I thought, am I going to continue with physics? But I, I did stick, uh, with, with physics. I then did some undergraduate studies in France and then did my PhD in, in Grenoble, which besides Paris was the, you know, a fantastic place to do sort of um, advanced solid state experiments and quantum experiments. So during my PhD, I worked with a not so established qubit platform. And for my uh, postdoc, I wanted to work with something a bit more established where we could really do uh, proper quantum protocols, if you like. And so I moved to Cambridge in the group of Mitty Atatürk who is within the larger group of uh, AMOP, uh, Atomic Molecular and Optical Physics. And I've worked in Cambridge for 10 years as, yeah, as a postdoc and then a Royal Society fellow there. We've brought in my expertise in spins and soon enough, we demonstrated the first qubit control, then spin entanglement. And then maybe something we'll cover a little about. I've been interested in developing the functionality of this platform and interfacing this qubit that we had in, in, in our quantum node with other uh, qubits to really allow the system to be scalable. Great. Yeah, we'll come on to that, definitely. So first of all, let's talk about the current day. 
New Quantum, mm-hmm. you know, what, what is it you're doing there? Tell us what you can about what you're developing, if possible. What's the ecosystem landscape? Which partners are you working with? Any interactions with external bodies, UK government, that type of thing? Okay, so New Quantum is a busy working place with lots of things going on, but they're all organized around the idea that we want to develop quantum networking and quantum networking as a way to allow to scale quantum computers. So there's lots of physics that we have to unpack to explain this, but yeah, this is our central uh, mission to provide quantum networking to scale quantum computers. And so what am I doing at, at New Quantum? So I joined the company New Quantum at a stage where New Quantum was, you know, engaged in early quantum networking projects. These started about a year ago. Um, to prove and develop very sort of elementary blocks that are required for quantum networking. So in particular, one thing that you really need if for quantum networking to be fast enough and thereby useful to scaling is that you need to collect photons really efficiently. And so New Quantum has this uh, micro-cavity technology which allows to collect photons very efficiently and has these two projects with two different end users. One, which is to use cavities to interface with rubidium atoms. And this is a collaboration we have with uh, Inflection, a US-based quantum computing company. And the other collaboration we have is Intercom, which uses our cavity technology to interface it with Ions, and this is a collaboration with uh, the University of Oxford and uh, the NQCC uh, National Quantum Computing Center. The, then there's like a third project, which is a third building block actually of the quantum networking system that we want to build, which is focusing on developing the optical hardware that will allow to carry Bell state measurements and high connectivity between a small number of nodes. For this, we use a integrated photonics platform, and we're seeking massive improvements in terms of losses and switching speeds, which are key metrics, again, to achieve quantum networking with high fidelity and with high rates. So these are the three key projects. And then when I joined, Uh, I joined just before New Quantum started system-level programs. So in these uh, system-level programs, we're looking at using those elementary uh, building blocks that we have confidence in. Of course, they're going to continue to involve and improve in terms of performance. But we're also starting to look at capturing qubit requirements for a certain certain types of qubits and building a useful quantum network. And we have a a partnership with the NQCC, which is a four-year program to stand up a four-node quantum network. And yeah, one thing I should say is compared to quantum computing, people are already working with hundreds of qubits in a computer. And with quantum networking, we're talking about interconnecting four nodes 
us just reflecting that quantum networking is in its infancy. It's still small scale, but we have to start from there. And the biggest quantum networks to date, which has been proven with, with solid state qubit nodes in diamond and by the Delft group is, is three nodes. That's the biggest we can do. <laughs> and if you talk to these people, they'll tell you, we can't scale to four nodes, <laughs> too hard. So that's really what we're trying to do here, provide the means to build this in, in a scalable way. And then there's, there's another system level development um, that we are pursuing, this one with uh, Cisco as the end user which is to build a deployable quantum networking unit such that Cisco, as the end user who is building a quantum networking testbed, can arrive with, with qubit nodes and essentially plug them into our networking units and build a small-scale quantum network, multi-node again. One question I had, when you mentioned the, the nodes, what consists of that node? What is that node? Is that... A networking device, is it some kind of solid state qubit? Or what do you mean when you say a node? What I mean by node is either a single qubit or multiple qubits of a certain type. If you take a solid state instantiation of this is usually um, an atomic defect that can emit light. So you can think of this as your communication qubit which spits out photons which are entangled with its internal state. And that allows you to create distant entanglement. We can go into that in, in, in a bit. But then this communication qubit is also like, um, can be deterministically entangled with nuclear spins. Usually that's how it works in the solid state. If you look at atomic systems, it can be a certain ion coupled to a different type of ions, for example, and co-trapped. And again, so, the, but the, the key ingredient as at a high level is one qubit that can emit a flying qubit, a photon, if you like, that you can route towards a measurement apparatus to create distant entanglement and other data qubits. And theory tells you, you need a minimum of five qubits to actually have the, that's your minimum quantum register size to build a quantum computer in a modular way from there on. So in my mind, I'm picturing something like, okay, we have a quantum network. The quantum network is used for connecting quantum computers. Maybe it's a bit of a far out vision. So how would you see that particular node set up in order to do something like fault tolerant quantum computing or something like maybe a, how can it connect to potentially a dilution fridge with the superconducting qubits or another technology? Is it sitting in front or is it inside the yes. hardware? Or how do you envision future distributed so quantum computing setup? How do we, <laughs> yeah, how do we envision that. the full stack you're asking me? Or not the stack, but just, the, <laughs> just where does that node sit? Is it a, a switch? Is so then, it, then yeah. what we mean by the node, the node can be at least five qubits to all the way to, to a full computer with hundreds of qubits, but you want to be able to connect a similar system. Mm. So your node is your elementary quantum 
computing module, your elementary quantum processing unit. You could also call it your elementary quantum computer. Okay. And then you need to be able to network that to to a system that is of that is exactly a replica of it. If you're thinking about modular construction, mm-hmm. and this networking has to be fundamentally quantum. If you just send classical signal between these two units, you're not really gaining in computational power mm-hmm. from, from in the quantum world. If I may, before we go on to the um, sending of quantum state and perhaps some of the detail on the individual components, I'm really keen to understand your perspective on why you would network quantum systems. Just because for me, connecting quantum computers for distributed algorithms, okay, potentially connecting sensors of some kind, but I'm yeah, really keen to hear your perspective on that. For me, the profound advantage of quantum networking is that it offers a, a path to build large system sizes, but in a modular way. And if you talk to quantum computing companies, even with photonic qubits, you you can scale up to a certain system size, and then it just becomes incredibly complex to just build the fridge that will host this large system size. And also it becomes increasingly difficult to, to measure and test to test your system. So the idea is. We don't know if the final node will be optimum with, if it contains hundreds of qubit, if it contains thousands of qubit, if it contains just five qubit. These will all be architecture questions that people will answer and will be part of the people answering these as time goes on and as we develop our understanding. But for sure, there is value in the ability of saying, we're going to build, we're going to have the ability to build the system in small chunks and then connect them. That's the first advantage of quantum networking. Then there's also a second key advantage, which is, which is more recent, but it's the emergence of quantum error correction codes that make use of the long range connectivity given by quantum networking to massively alleviate the quantum error correction overheads. So just to to sort of um, ground it in a few numbers, we know that with a thousand logical qubits and millions of gates, we can have useful quantum computing. The issue is to have these logical qubits with error correcting codes that are suitable for short range interactions, then you need millions of qubits. If you can drop this number to need a requiring only a hundred thousand, you've also, you've also won a lot in terms of how easy it is to scale the quantum computer. So these are the key things like building quantum computers in a modular way and having less quantum error correction overheads. Yeah. I'm hearing a lot these days about quantum error correction, but then also getting better quality qubits in the first place so that you don't necessarily need as much error correction. I think all the different modalities are tackling this different ways. Yes. It's fascinating. 
I think what you mentioned, the quality of the qubits and how you really want to optimize that qubit quality to need to lower your overhead is also a very important point. And it's a very important point when you look at quantum networking as well, because the uh, detractors of quantum networking, or say, let's say the main downside of long distance quantum networking is the fidelity of the long distance links. And this is something we can talk about. And as, as a company, it's really something we have, we keep a close eye on is like, how are we going, going to achieve high fidelity networking? As soon as you lose in fidelity, you have to think about it as you're going to have to pay the price. You're going to have to distill the entanglement. And at the end of the day, it's the same thing as having high fidelity, but very low rate quantum networking. Yeah, fidelity is super, super important. Mm. So Quali it, quality, quality of the entanglement. <laughs> there's a kind of an interesting thought that I don't know if other people had, but I had this thought of, we have uh, NIST quantum computers, near intermediate scale quantum computer. Do you think there's an equivalent to quantum network, like a NIST with <laughs> instead of a computer, you have a network? I don't know how do you <laughs> pronounce that acronym, but like a near intermediate scale quantum network that does something meaningful before we go to full scale distributed quantum computing. Is there like a, an intermediate step or do we have to go from zero to hundred? It's an interesting question. First of all, I would really ask the proof that NISC is useful. I think it's still unclear. It's still an open question, but for sure they are NISC algorithms, which allow quantum computing companies to benchmark how good their quantum computer is and to really understand fundamentally are errors correlated, not correlated, et cetera, et cetera. I think the same works for quantum networks. If you're not there yet in terms of unlocking scalability, uh, there are still metrics, then elementary quantum networking protocols and all of this, which are very analogous to NIST quantum computing that you can use to, to understand uh, the system and improve its performance. Yeah, makes sense. <laughs> There's a lot of protocols for quantum networks, but I think they're all quite challenging to implement. For example, okay, we have QKD, but that can use uh, current technology. But then the question of how useful QKD is, is open. But I, I believe in the, the distributed quantum computing direction. But I think it's, as I said, it's very challenging and there's a lot of things that have to happen before we get there. I'm just in my mind thinking, what's, can we do something in between that's easier, but also useful? It's hard to answer that. I think, I think so they like to, to enter into, like to give examples of things which need to be demonstrated and will be, but will not necessarily unlock scalability just yet is you can perform deterministic quantum teleportation, teleported gates. And all these are like elementary quantum networking operation that you really want to demonstrate mm -hmm. and improve on until you reach certain metrics that the below 1% error. And then you're like, okay, now I can apply error correction mm -hmm. on top of this. So uh, quantum networking means different things to different companies and different people, for example, People develop quantum key distribution networks that used to be called the quantum network. Now I think we changed the name of that to a quantum key distribution network. 
now when we say quantum networks, generally people think about entanglement-based quantum networks where you distribute entanglement and use teleportation to transmit the qubit state. What does quantum networking mean in the context of new quantum and potentially your own opinion of what a quantum network is? So in, in our own opinion, like quantum networking for quantum computing is the production of entanglement, distant entanglement between quantum nodes. And this entanglement is then formally equivalent to having these two nodes next to each other and allowing you to have a bigger quantum computer. And for this, for this to hold true, if you want this uh, distant entanglement to really allow you to do as if you had a bigger computer, you need the entanglement to be high fidelity and high rate. The challenge here for if you target quantum computing as an application, the challenge is if your entanglement, if your distant entanglement is far slower or far worse in, in quality and fidelity than your local interactions within the quantum processing unit, it means that quantum networking is helping you scale, but not in a, not as efficient as it could. So it's really trying to build something which is, yeah, providing you fast link. It, it will never be as fast as local operation, a local entanglement with, with the two qubits located next to each other. Uh, but it's, it's really having this as, uh, as an objective. So the differentiating factor is, is, do you think it's potentially that it's a bit nearer in terms of distance so that you're looking at data center style quantum network, or is this still a project in terms of long range over kilometers of fiber? Oh, so we're, that's a very good question. Like practically we're completely focused on data center scale networking. So if you want to scale the quantum computer, you're going to build these quantum processing units. You're going to try to build them in a robust way that may be, you know, as big as a room, hopefully smaller. And then you want the rooms as close to each other and as fastly interconnected as possible to then scale that uh, computing power of the quantum computer functioning as a cluster. So you want multiple quantum networking units that allow you to, to network mm -hmm. on a short scale. I personally don't believe that we'll ever be able to scale quantum computers and grow their power using long distance computing long distance meeting a kilometer, like we're going to build a computer, no, tens of kilometers. We're going to build a com quantum computer mm. in this city, in this other city, and we're going to link them to get, make them more powerful. That will not work for the simple reason that it takes time for photons to go from A to B. And that time is time lost to your computation. So you want to keep things nice and close to each other, mm -hmm. but there's this intrinsic sized quantum computers that they can't be yes, they can't be all with on, on the same chip. <laughs> so I've got a question leading on from that. It's a question from uh, the IT guy, basically on the call. I ask stupid questions when it comes to quantum physics, but what I'd like to understand, let's go to this 
small local data center environment with multiple quantum nodes. What are the physical devices or things that need to sit between node A and node B? And what are the processes that have to happen? Imagine uh, the life of a photon or the information encoded in a photon going from A to B. That would really help me understand what's there. You know, you, you mentioned um, different, you mentioned your photon cavity product. I guess that fits in there somewhere. You mentioned different, you mentioned iron traps and rubidium atoms. I guess they're different quantum computing modalities, potentially. Maybe that you're just using them as systems at the moment. Yeah, if you could try and talk through that, that chain of events, those chain of devices, that would be really helpful. So that, that chain has this optically active qubit at the beginning that emits a photon, it potentially isotropically anywhere in space. And, but you want to be able to connect this photon. You want that photon eventually to go into a detector. So that's where our cavity comes in. We put a cavity around either an atom or an ion or an actively active solid state qubit to collect the photons emitted by the system. And to give you numbers, if you put um, a lens, you typically collect maximum 10% of the emission of your quantum system. If you put a cavity, you can get up to 70% of emission in, inside the cavity. Then that photon that you've collected with the cavity, essentially the name of the game is then to propagate it all the way to your detectors without losing it, uh, which is just done by carefully designed um, optics hardware. And if you just have two nodes in the story, it's as simple as sending photon from one node, node one and node two towards that beam splitter, erasing the witch path information. And there are certain detection events. So behind the beam splitter, you put two detectors. And if your two detectors, as we talked earlier, detects blue photon and red photon, that's it. You have the signal that means you've just created entanglement. But your detectors, and that's quite important, an important thing to say as well. Your detectors might as well detect red and red in terms of photons. And that's not an entangled state. And so that means that with quantum networking, there's an intrinsic thing, which is you have to react to an event, the event that you want or you don't want. You have to do different things based on what is the event that you detect. That's very similar to what we need in quantum error correction or what we need in one-way quantum computing as well. You need to react to an event. The control system needs to interpret that event and then needs to follow an appropriate course of control gates at the qubit nodes, which is either to start attempt entanglement again or use this entanglement. So this isn't necessarily a point-to-point -point process, is it? There is something in the middle that is enabling the entanglement between A and B. So this is your control node, as you mentioned it, that's ultimately affecting the entanglement between the solid state or the whatever type of qubits are in the nodes A and B. So it's, it's like, um, it's like there's, there's a control hardware layer 
that is interpreting signals from photon detection. And there's a software layer that is then deciding. And all this has to happen really fast. But yeah, that is then deciding this is what you do if you detect this event, if that makes sense. I think sometimes it calls it um, like a heralding station or something. I don't know if that's... that's... Yeah, it's... Heralding station to me sounds more QKD, <laughs> okay. uh, but but it's a very, as I said, it's a very similar modality. The difference in, in quant, yeah, because, yeah, the key thing conceptually is you need to be able to react to this probabilistic yeah. event that distant entanglement has been successful and having, having the ability to be sure that entanglement happened. Mm -hmm makes the probabilistic nature of photon-mediated entanglement okay. If you didn't have the herald, you wouldn't be able to scale, you wouldn't be able to make anything useful mm. out of this entanglement. But the herald means that then you can put some classical control stuff layer above and then use the, the entanglement usefully. Yeah, I guess for um, the herald station is like the one that just that piece below what you do, the, right below the control, just says, okay, we got the event. Continue. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Mm. yeah, that's it's very interesting to hear about the stack and what's necessary. If you want to scale to, to a few nodes, um, then there's a very simple thing that happens with all quantum system is that the systems modalities is that usually it takes way more time to prepare your system in a way that is ready to for entanglement than to entangle it. So that means that actually what's really interesting to do from a hardware point of view is, is to have a switch in front of your beam splitter and detectors. So the beam splitter and the detectors is often called like a bell state analyzer. And you want some kind of switch architecture, which, which allows you to, first of all, use these, this bell state analyzer in a resource efficient way. And the bunch of switches allows you to select, okay, I, I want to create pairwise entanglement between node one and two, between node one and four, and so on and so forth. Yeah. So that's the other technology block that, that we're developing. It can be made out of off-the-shelf optical components, but then you're very limited in terms of the switching speeds that, that you can achieve. And so that's why we're also developing an integrated photonic solution to network on this small scale. And then the scaling to a thousand nodes, which is, which is a very interesting problem because integrated photonics, you incur a loss if you want to increase, if, if you want all to all connectivity with integrated photonics for thousands of inputs, you're going to incur a massive photon loss which you don't want because then that's low rate entanglement. And so it means you need to do something more clever above and decide on which connectivity you want to go for. So this is also something that we're looking at uh, a lot at New Quantum, more from a kind of top-down approach where we're understanding for this quantum error correction protocol, what kind of connectivity would actually support it efficiently. I guess one benefit of this all-to-all -all connectivity is you don't need networking per se in a traditional sense. You don't need routing, you don't need these protocols, but because everything is point-to-point -point in a sense, 
what about yeah i guess that could be the question is leads up to the next part is what about topologies that are not all to all connected then you need some kind of network control or something that can do switching and routing based on the state of this the network for example do you see that being a critical factor or is that something that probably won't apply very quickly and it's the same answer probably to things like classical data center networks how do they scale probably is very similar approach but with a quantum setting is obviously much more complicated so it's a very good question i think it's you know at the hardware level it's not like we're worrying about it just yet and that we're trying to implement it just yet i should say but we want to think about it now. Yeah. That's it's very important to think about the endpoints where you are actually operating efficiently at the quantum error corrected scale. Yeah, so many um, questions to answer. So it's it's such a fresh uh, topic. I think there's so many open problems to consider, and it's it's great to think about it. Yeah, you have to think about it at some point. <laughs> It's going to come. Yes, well, Steve, there's so many layers to it as well, right? You've got the optical, uh, integrated optical kind of stuff. You've then got the software for control, which has to happen and interface with hardware. But then you've got even further levels of abstraction, right? In, in terms of automating uh, processes and. Yes. And in, yeah. And eventually, for we know there's like a whole lot of work that has to go into taking a useful. A, a useful quantum algorithm and then breaking it down into something that can be operated yeah on the hardware you're right the stack is huge and of course we're not we're not developing the whole stack here as new quantum where we see ourselves is really as the quantum network provider giving the ability for quantum computing companies to have an efficient an efficient optical link to create distant entanglement between, yeah, between their quantum computing units that they know how to create so well. Hey, one thing that you mentioned earlier on around the fidelity of the, the quality of the signals, the photons going across the network. What are the main roadblocks in technology preventing a perfect photonic fidelity? Because you have photonic sources, you have the the cavities you mentioned, the fiber um, transducers in some case. So that's one question I want to come on to is where do they fit in? But yeah, first of all, yeah. the kind of the quality of photonic information, what's standing in the way for getting that right? I'm going to give like a numbered answer to just give you a sense of where the challenges are. I think that the challenges are the, the following. You have roughly, say, 1% of error at the qubit. I'll, I can explain a bit more what types of error. You have roughly 0.1% in the classical hardware, and you have 0.01% in electrical and control hardware. So the difficulty still is with the qubit control, whether it's a solid state system, I, it couples to stuff you don't want, it couples to its solid state environment, so it's not like a perfect qubit or it's a trapped atom. And similarly, it will couple to vibrational modes to the environment and not give you like perfect, perfect behavior. That's, that's still where there's a lot of work. 
when you bring in cavities into the picture, it's it's really interesting. There's uh, there's the potential, depending on the regime in which you operate, that cavities add um, contribute to the optical hardware noise. So you have to be careful that this does not happen. And also the the sort of photon generation part is requires a cavity tailored protocol. We're also yeah, we're also thinking about entanglement schemes and, and things like this. Once once we focus on a certain qubit mod modality. So on the modalities, I'm just leading through the questions here. As I'm thinking, you mentioned rubidium atoms. <clears throat> Is that the same as a neutral atom type concept, right? So are these rubidium gas atoms or are these solid state? Uh, these these are yes new, neutral atoms in a vacuum chamber. I'm not going to say similar operation to trapped ions because they're trapped in a different way, but you know, kind of the equivalent where we just haven't taken out that electron away from the atom. So yeah, a, a neutral atom modality, and the reason for this is that neutral atoms and, and trapped ions they're the best in class qubits these days. They're the ones with the lowest qubit gate errors. So they're a fantastic platform to benchmark mm. the capability of, of your networking link. And that's why I asked, is, are there any which, from a networking standpoint, looking, are looking better for releasing photons in such in a more reliable way and allow the interfacing between the, the flying qubit side to the fixed qubit side? There's, the, I mean, there's a lot to be said with, for for solid state systems. Uh, obviously, I know them very well, having worked for uh, fifteen years with them. <laughs> um, with solid state systems, you you don't have to worry about trapping, like using lots of lasers, building an ion trap, cooling the system. There's there's a lot of simplicity that comes with it, and you can potentially build the system. You can really build devices that are then left in a cryostat and operate almost autonomously. Whereas with atomic systems, it's tough, but some people are doing it though, like with building iron trap quantum computers that operate autom autonomously, et cetera, et cetera. But there's definitely, it's definitely easier to get there with a solid state system. That's what I mean. The other advantage of solid state system, generally speaking, is is that the gates are faster. They emit photons faster. They also have shorter coherence time. Nothing comes for free. But overall, they're in an operation regime, which is every, everything is fast, which means that the cycle time of your future quantum computer is faster. And that's also quite an important thing uh, from an application perspective. So I'd... I'd you know, I do believe that solid-state systems are ultimately where we want to go. But right now, there's no perfect solid-state system. There's this, this funny thing where either solid-state systems have really good qubit properties, long coherence time, blah, 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 but crap optical properties, or the opposite. Great optical properties, quantum dots, the system I was working with was an example of that, like great optical properties, but the spin coherence was was short and is, is like an issue to, to scale. 
with this modality. There's no perfect system, but people are looking. So, you know, you, you have to keep, um, you have to keep posted, but the fact that a three node quantum network has been realized with NV centers in diamond is illustrates that solid state system are out there, you know, also really interesting as quantum networking as a modality for quantum networking. The more I hear you talk, the more delicate I feel the whole setup is with so many different factors at play and levers you've got to, you've got to play with to try and optimize. Uh, you yes. mentioned the, the quantum dot, uh, semiconductor quantum dot platform that you're working on. I, I, looking at some of your academic work, there's lots of papers on spin and spin dynamics and so on. Did, did you want to elaborate a bit more on the work you've been doing there and take a bit of a detour sure. from the current topic? Um, so quantum networks, when I, you know, when I started working with them, I mean, they were already very well established as a, a fantastic source of photons. Photon distingu indistinguishability is quantifying your ability to do a quantum interference between photons. So ultimately it's the thing that feeds into the distant entanglement fidelity, if you see what I mean. And so quantum dots, you can, you know, generate these beautiful photons, which will give you high, high entanglement quality, which is super cool. But the problem, at least with the types of, uh, the QGs that I was working with is that the spin coherence was limited to a microsecond. And there was none of the sort of uh, quantum control that you can do to extend the coherence time of the qubit that would work. And so. So I've been working first on fixing that. that was, this was like a material issue. We tweaked the material of this platform and we demonstrated nearly a hundredfold improvement in, in the coherence time of the spin qubit in the system. So that's like one, one first thing that, that we demonstrated. And then the other thing is that for scalability, you want a quantum networking node, which has multiple qubits. And we, in the system, we only had, we only had one, one qubit, the electron spin. And so we've been working towards using the nuclear ensemble and the collective states of the nuclear ensemble as, as a qubit regi register. So this is work in progress. But yeah, follow closely because there's really things moving on this front. And this is a game changer because once you have two qubits and the potential for more, it's completely different to having just one qubit. One qubit, you, you create entanglement and now what? If you have a second storage mode, you can then store the entanglement on that storage mode and entangle with a third node and create a three node GHZ state or, or that sort of thing. Or you, or you can do deterministic quantum teleportation. So these are more like application geared towards long distance quantum networking, as opposed to what we do at new quantum. But it's, yeah, it's very key to have multiple qubits and that's, that's what we've been working on. Fantastic. Thank you. A lot to get my head around. Uh, thanks very much. Uh, and all working at such a small scale. That's what kind of blows my mind. Time. It's just it's stuff that you can't really see, can you? Uh, without yes, some very clever imaging. <laughs> yeah. And it's really interesting. Like most of these um, emitters, you can actually 
see the photons they emit on a camera or sometimes with your bare eye. You can see the fluorescence from an eye and you can see the fluorescence from a quantum dot. Yeah, but you can't see the little structure and unless you use a scanning electron microscopy, for example. So yeah, it's, <laughs> yeah. they're tiny. <laughs> and what you were talking about there was rather than using an individual electron, which is something released from an atom or still within an atom, you're talking about the whole atomic structure itself and using that as coding the qubit, right? Yes. So in in uh yeah in in semiconductor systems, generally what you can do is you simply, very simply, you can dope the semiconductor to create the free electrons, and then you can also create a blob of a different semiconductor material which acts as a quantum well and will capture one of these electrons. And then you have a system which is behaving as if it was a single electron. And by the way, people have also done this with ions. Instead of having an ion, they're trapping a single electron. That, that is a thing as well. But here we are, you're, you're doing it in the solid state and the trapping is realized by a semiconductor material, which acts as a potential well to trap that single particle, single electron. And then you just play with atomic transition in, in your solid state system, which are exactly the same as in, in a, an atom, which is why they're called artificial atoms. But yeah, they're, it's all the same thing <laughs> to a certain extent. Listen, that's fantastic. We're going to start to wrap up a little bit. Uh, yeah, I mean, like I said, so much for me to think about now. And hopefully that's been a riveting, thought-inspiring conversation for our listeners. I guess just finally, going back, coming back to the UK as a whole, I know New Quantum's fairly involved with uh, UK Quantum, which is the organization representing the UK quantum industry. Is there anything, anything you'd like to comment on that membership or perhaps the activities that are planned for 2024? So yeah, the, what, maybe I, I should start with what UK quantum is and when it started, which was about three, three years ago, unofficially. So the UK government asked a, a group of six companies to talk to each other and agree on what was important to you. So these six uh, UK companies in the quantum industry are New Quantum, Riverlane, BT, BAE Systems, Orca, and Oxford Instruments. And so the, these companies have been talking and then advising the government on, on, on a quantum strategy. And then after one or two years of preparation, they launched officially in, in November 2022. And the first year was super successful. There's over 15 members that joined. There were many events organized, we uh, webinars, opportunities for members, etc. And then they've set up six, six working groups across government strategy, international strategy, supply chain, which is... Like we haven't had the time to cover everything, but there's so many things to think about when you're doing quantum. Supply chain is, is an issue. Market use cases, if you're aiming for, um, for quantum computing, what, what does that look like? Resourcing is also worth thinking about in, in, in the quantum sphere. Ultimately, they've advised the government and the quantum strategy was published in February this year and the quantum mission published in November. 
And so Carmen, our CEO, is one of the four directors of UK Quantum and is involved in steering this, this committee. And yeah, it's a really important initiative. It's really how we can bring cohesion into, into a progress towards end user applications, I think, because with quantum, I guess you're, you're at risk of going in all directions. And so it's really good that there is, there is, um, this unified collaborative thinking about what it is that we should do. <laughs> yeah. Very good answer. Thank you for that. And I'm looking forward to seeing the next year or so with the increased funding from the UK government, the more stimulus going into Innovate UK, the change at the end of this year with the, with the different quantum hubs that's mm. impending. So yeah, it's, it's an exciting time. It is, it is hugely exciting. The pace at which the quantum industry is progressing is, I'm sure some people are like, oh, there's so much hype, blah, blah, blah. But, and there is as well, but there is also so much real tangible progress and it's, yeah, it's an exciting field to work in. Superb. Okay. Well, I'm going to close there. Thank you very much, Claire. Really appreciate the time today. You're welcome. We haven't Let's talked try. about superconducting and transduction. I apologize for that. <laughs> yeah, I think that sounds like an excuse for a second episode. Uh, <laughs> Please let's uh, let's 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 not have it. I haven't thought about the issue yet, but all I can say is, for us, it's somebody else's problem for now because there's a lot for us to think about already. But that's yeah. that's we want to talk to. We want to talk to a company like QFOX, right, for instance, who's working on the transduction problem, uh, because at the end of the day, it is all about understanding what the others are doing and how we can interface and help them scale. But the re capturing this, this, these requirements is a many-month effort. That's why we had to pick and choose at New Quantum and we have to be like, okay, for now, we're just going to focus on atomic modalities. They're quite mature. They're quite ready for quantum networking. Let's do it. <laughs> it's a system, isn't it? And you're doing the right thing, right? But staying focused. I think it's very easy to get lost in swathe of like all the different technologies, the different ways of implementing things. And when it comes to working in the lab, I'm sure that makes it even more complicated. Yeah, it's great to see that. Great to see that. It's great to see it in the UK. Nice. Okay. Thanks for coming. And we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, thank Claire. you. I'd like to take this moment to thank you for listening to the podcast. Quantum networking is such a broad domain, especially considering the breadth of quantum physics and quantum computing, all as an undercurrent, easily to get sucked into. So much is still in the research realm, uh, which can make it really tough for a curious IT guy to know where to start. So hit subscribe or follow me on your podcast platform. And I'll do my best to bring you more prevalent topics in the world of quantum networking. Spread the word. It would really help us out.